I would just read nonstop. I mean, the Bible all the time, anytime that I could, anytime I had an opportunity. And so, I mean, number one, I actually had a desire to do that. It wasn't like a, a wearisome task. Like, a, you know, I guess I got to do dishes. I got to get done. You know, I guess I got to read the Bible. It was there was a joy at opening the scriptures and a joy at, in reading them. Hello and welcome to another Doulas View. Today I have a very good friend and brother in Christ, Jeremy Juleson. Known him for over half or about half my life. And uh, so I'm glad to have him on the show today. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Yeah, nice to be here. Thank you for having me. All right, let's start at the beginning. Um, where were you born? What was your upbringing like? And tell us a little bit about that. So I was born in New Mexico on December 31st, 1989. Uh, Moved here, I know I was three or four. Um, as far as family life, upbringing, um, very, I would say, religious as far as um, always going to church. You know, it was never acceptable to, to miss a service. Um, big family. Um, how many siblings do I have? <laughs> Five <laughs> siblings and or six siblings. Wow. Um, so big family, always you know, a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um, Always taught hard work and you know, started working as twelve, I guess, or so. Always having work to do. My parents were good examples of that, of working hard and uh, a lot of moving. My parents were involved in uh, starting a lot of churches or uh, youth, children's ministry. So just a lot, hmm. a lot of moving, a lot of uh, just a lot of stuff. <laughs> I don't know. So. so coming from a large family, do you think that had a lot to do or a lot of influence on just your social abilities with people and meeting new people and then kind of, you know, ingratiating yourself with new environments? Yeah. So I would say yes and no. I was, especially when I was younger, I was definitely more of an introvert and yeah. had a lot of uh, big personalities in my family. So <laughs> no I, it, it impacted me and uh, you know, learning to get a, along with a lot of different people. Um, uh, but yeah, I wasn't very social and much of an extrovert when I was younger. I was pretty laid back, quiet, didn't say too much until I kind of got to know you more. So uh, yes and no. Okay. Yeah, I remember those days of spending the night and just spending time <laughs> with your family and how raucous it could get. Oh, man, it was so it much get, fun, it though. It so rowdy. <laughs> and I would, I would kind of stare the pot up on purpose <laughs> just to see what would happen. Oh, man. But, uh, so, um, but we both grew up in charismatic Pentecostal churches. Um, you know, had a lot of different experiences like that. And uh, so kind of going back to your pre-conversion, what was your understanding and and what was it like just being in a charismatic Pentecostal church and in that kind of environment frequently? So (laughs) the experiences were definitely many. Um, You know, you kind of look backwards from things and looking back, you can see how just kind of how chaotic and... um, how the, there was a lack of order, I would say, for sure. Um, but my experiences, as far as the things I saw, were many. Um, my mom and dad and uh, grandparents and a couple of my siblings graduated from Rama, attended Rama. Um, and so that environment's just, there's a lot going on. A lot of shouting, a lot of running around, um, a lot of prophecies. And so um, the experience was very... Um, uh, Holy Spirit, um, extravagant um, miracles and giftings are kind of the the thing that was really pushed, and um, 
was what at least to me what seemed like what was, was important to them in that environment was that those things happen and if they don't then something has to be wrong so um, it was very I would say works driven really uh, works of, of special signs and wonders I mean yeah. really those were the things that you know had to be done and those were the things that were, were sought after yeah. So. yeah definitely speaking you know a lot of prophecy the same experience <clears throat> that you had is what I had a lot of prophecy casting out demons and yeah. a lot of focus on the giftings of the spirit speaking in tongues and and um, even going into trances and things like that mm-hmm. and seeing you know seeing Jesus face to face those kinds of things and so but one of those experiences that um, you had, according to what you've told me in the past, is that you used to see visions, you used to see mm-hmm. things, I don't know exactly how, but you said you'd see different things and you would write them down and, right. and keep a log of them. So do you remember what you would see and what, you know, those, what kind of visions do you think um, were that, that came to your mind? What was that like and what did you see and how did you interpret those? Yeah, and uh, I think you, the, the phrasing is... Um, the correct phrasing is things I thought I saw for sure because I don't they weren't genuinely from the Lord mm-hmm. and um, and so yeah I would have what I what I thought I was having visions or dreams from the Lord and really what promoted a lot of that stuff I turned 18 and we always had a, a yearly conference at our church that you're aware of and um, you know everybody is you know either prophesying or dancing in the Holy Spirit or um, you know having some miraculous sign gift mm-hmm. and uh and so my thinking was well I, th- these things are not happening to me you know so i don't have the holy spirit you know because mm-hmm. if you have yeah have the holy spirit these things are supposed to be um happening to you at least my understanding at that time mm-hmm. and so you know i really started doubting that i could be saved because i didn't have some sign gift or something and so um I'm a very visual person, and I visualize things in my mind um, just in everyday things, you know, organizing my time or organizing, you know, certain things. Or, and so I started, um, you know, just thinking of things in my mind that was going on, and I'd have pictures of things, and mm. and I would think, oh, maybe maybe that's a vision. So I actually went to one of, I don't think there were technically elders in our church, but one of the people that were below the pastor who was considered a pastor, I guess himself, and kind of started talking to him. And um, he said, well, you're, ha- you're having visions. God's giving you visions. And he said, the Bible says, you know, the pure in heart, they'll see God. So, you know, mm. God's <laughs> giving you visions. And wow. I'm like, yeah, well, the Bible does say that. And, you know, didn't obviously have understanding of the scripture at that time. And so, you know, in my thinking, I was like, well, this is just how God has gifted me for the body. And and so, you know, I would just see things in my mind, you know, whether I'd read something in the Bible and then, you know, during the service I would think, oh, well, maybe there's an angel here. And then, you know, in my mind I would see what an angel looked like and thought, oh, well, that's, you know, there's an angel here then. Um, and so I never literally visually saw anything. It was more of pictures in my mind, so to speak. And so I would see those things and think, oh, you know, well, I had a vision. Or, you know, I'd have a dream that had some somewhat of a spiritual maybe um, undertone to it or something and so I think well that has to be the Lord speaking to me you know because yeah, that's how he talks to me that's how that's my gifting and so a lot of that stuff was over misunderstanding and over fear of, of yeah, I mean honestly not being saved and not having an understanding of the scriptures and so um, you yeah, know I would see things and I would write them down and um, 
and genuinely thinking that, you know, this is the Lord giving me visions. And, you know, he gave Peter visions and, mm-hmm. you know, other people visions, so why not me? And, and so I'd write them down, give them to the pastor, but they were many and, and, and far. I mean, we could, we could go from angels to seeing <laughs> things that don't really make much sense <laughs> to, you know, all kinds of things. So, um, uh-huh. yeah. yeah, and that's kind of, sc- kind of scary once you get out of it. Because remember, I remember reading Jeremiah, I think it was 23, where it talks about how people were, see visions of their own mind and speak mm-hmm. things of their own understanding. And, and God says, I never sent these things right. to them. I never put these words in their mouths, but they went and, and spoke like they were speaking for me anyway. And God was pretty much putting these people under a curse because they were leading people astray by right. these false visions and false and false prophecies that God himself said, I didn't give them to you. So um, I want to ask you about your testimony and how you truly came to know Christ in just one second. So, uh, Jeremy, how did you truly come to know Christ? Because back then you said that you weren't saved at that time. You were, you thought you were, and that's why right. you wanted to get more of the Holy Spirit and thought you needed to do vision, you know, have visions and dreams and, and have those kinds of experiences in your life to prove that you have the Holy Spirit within you. Right. But now that you have been born again have, and you've been saved, how did that how did that take place in your life? Like, how did you truly come to understand the gospel and, and trust in Christ for salvation? Right. Um, so it's actually very interesting. It actually, I believe, happened during one of uh, the services we were having at the church. Hmm. And uh, as you know, there were a lot of young women. I guess they would phrase it as dancing in the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if they would consider it speaking in tongues, but kind of mumbling, you know, I mean, kind of chants, honestly, mm-hmm. and dancing around. And just at that moment, um, I just very convicted by the Holy Spirit that this is not of Him. I mean, the Holy Spirit self-control, right? That's a mm. fruit of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so my thinking was, well, how how can this truly be the Holy Spirit if this is out of control? I mean, how holy is God? I mean, God's holiness came before me, and I mm. just began to to really understand God's holiness and just what it would mean if we were blaspheming Him and saying that something was from Him that wasn't. Mm. And then from that, just really thinking, well, am I really having visions? Are these real visions? And um, came to, <laughs> to realize and really be honest with myself that, no, I mean, these are just thoughts in my head. These things are not from the Lord. I mean, how many false prophecies have we heard? I mean, over and over and over and over again, these things cannot be from the Lord. And I think even before that, the Lord started kind of working on my heart and giving me some understanding of the Scriptures and so you, during that service and at that moment, I just asked the Lord to save me. I called mm. upon the name of the Lord. As, as, in the as service, we in the middle of the service. In the middle of the service. Wow. And I, I was terrified. I mean, even as Isaiah, when Isaiah came face to face with the holiness of God, and you know, he, became, he became terrified. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't even look up. I was truly terrified of the Lord because I mm-hmm. knew how wicked and evil I was and the evilness of my thoughts. And going back to what that minister said to me, the pure in heart shall see God. I mean, <clears throat> not to, uh, it's not a boast, I guess, but I guess many people would have considered me pure in heart. and you Golden know, boy. The golden day. boy, for <laughs> sure, for sure. But I, I definitely wasn't. I knew what the things that, that was going on in my mind at times and the impure thoughts and, I mean, the blasphemy that I blasphemed God and the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit saying things were from him that, now, you know, now I knew weren't, didn't depend upon the, you know, how genuine I felt about it. The, the truth of the matter is, which is the, <laughs> well, the, the thing that matters, 
is they weren't from God and I was promoting them as they were. Yeah. And um, I just, I became terrified of, of the Lord in a good way and just asked him to forgive me, uh, repented of my sins and called upon his name to save me. Yeah. So I believe it was at that moment. And I believe the Lord was working on my heart uh, even before then. But I, I, I truly believe at that moment, the Lord regenerated me and gave me new life. And that sounds like a John 3 experience where Jesus said you have to be born again or born from above and the spirit goes where it listeth, you know, so yeah. you can't tell where it's going, where it's coming from. But apparently that day, the Holy Spirit was sent to you to convict you and to, and to cause you to be born again. So we thank God. Thank God. Thank God for his grace and his mercy in that. So after you got saved, I'm sure. And well, just like you said, you started realizing this is not from God. So mm -hmm. obviously you, you left the church and then you wanted to go find another church. So what, at that point in time, as a new believer, what was important to you about finding another church? And what were you looking for when you left uh, our previous church? Well, I, it was about six months after that moment until I actually left the church. Um, at that point, I always volunteered to um, to do security, so I was always at the back door. I was never in the service. Like, I was literally never in the service. Mm -hmm. I was always at the back door, and I wouldn't even listen to the service. I was just reading my Bible wow. over and over again during the service, and I'd do my rounds I needed to do for security, and then I'd just come back to my phone and just read the scriptures. Mm. Um, and through a series of events, the Lord led me out of, of the church that we grew up in. And really what mattered to me was truth. <laughs> what is truth? I mean, I've grown up with these things my whole life, and the Lord has convicted me that they are not genuine and not real. So what is going to honor and glorify God? Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm looking for. What is, what is truth? What is going to honor? What's going to glorify God? Because, I mean, anything else is false religion, and God is not pleased with that. Mm -hmm. And so it's about pleasing God and doing what is, is pleasing in His eyes. And so I wanted to know the truth. That was really the main thing. Hmm. And as you know, you know, the area we grow up, grow up, have grown up in and live in is there are not many churches that teach the truth. And so it was very difficult. And so there was definitely a, a, um, a surrendering to the Lord to, <laughs> to find me a place because I didn't know where to go. I didn't know a lot of doctrine. I didn't. I was a baby, hmm. a baby that was really by himself because I didn't have, you know, I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have anybody. I didn't know about mm -hmm. genuine preachers of the word. And so it, w it was a tough road. But I mean, really, that, that was my heart drive. What is the truth? And, and that's I want to, you know, like Jesus said the time is coming when you know, we'll serve him in spirit and truth. And so I wanted to be those that served him in spirit and in truth. Hmm. And so truth. And that's exactly what we all need. I mean, Jesus said, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Mm -hmm. And that's how you only, that's the only way you become more holy as a Christian. That's right. the experience that you had where you realized the holiness of God was real and that it was something not to be trifled with. So and the only way to become holy, which the Bible tells us to become like God, is to study his word and become like Christ. So I'm glad right. that the Holy Spirit showed you that. So, but um, another question would be going back to what you're saying, how you're reading your Bible in the middle of the services. So how did your understanding of, of and the hunger for scripture changed as soon as you were born again like did you notice an instant change of just wanting to devour the word of god oh yeah absolutely i mean when i was younger i'd read through scripture every now and then but it was just i i couldn't stop reading i just i wanted to know what was pleasing to god and what was the truth and so i would just read non-stop i mean the bible all the time anytime that i could anytime i had an opportunity and so, I mean, number one, I actually had a desire to do that. It wasn't like a, a wearisome task, like, a, you know, like, I guess I got to do the dishes, I got to get done, you know, I guess I got to read the Bible. It was, mm -hmm. There was a joy at opening the scriptures and mm -hmm. a joy at, in reading them. And like I said, I actually understood them. Um, 
going back to to um, the verse that you know kind of started some of the the blasphemous things I was doing you know the pure in heart shall see God that's mm -hmm. the Sermon on the Mount mm -hmm. and uh, so I read that and I mean it became so obvious well, this is talking about people who are saved this is what a Christian looks like and it's all these characteristics mm -hmm. and it's not talking about certain people who are gonna see visions <laughs> um, and it became very I mean very obvious not it wasn't blurred at all and so I think the the very foundational things of Christianity and of the gospel and salvation were just my eyes were open you know um, and so you know just my understanding and um, hunger just increased yeah and I think that brings that to mind that scripture where it says the natural man receiveth not the things mm -hmm. of God but only the spiritual can understand the things that are spiritual and right. it's really the only, only the Holy Ghost opening our eyes to see because he is the author mm -hmm. of scripture as the Bible tells us so but since I've known you for years, you've been connected with children's ministry. You've had, you've, as long as I can remember, you've been at least ministering or even taking children out and, mm -hmm. and, and you know, kind of mentoring them even before you were saved. And then uh, teaching Sunday school for young children. Now, even at our church now, you're still teaching kids on Tuesday nights going through the Gospels. So I'm just wondering, what was the, what's been the difference in teaching children before you were saved as to, opposed to now that you're saved and you actually understand the Scriptures? Right, so you know, like you know, the church we grew up in. I started, I believe it was I was twelve. I started teaching mm -hmm. children's church, and um, I mean, really, that that started because the Lord really gave me a hunger to have my own children, mm -hmm. and just really, I don't know, just was very natural working with kids for me. And so, <clears throat> you know, back then it was just kind of teaching them the stories. There was not really any insight to what they meant. It was just, well, here's David and Goliath, you know, or yeah, this is what Jesus said, and there was no really um, deeper um, explaining of what things meant, which what were what were said, or um, you know things that happened. So it was more of just kind of storytelling. Which now it's now that I understand the word, I can bring the word to the kids. It's not watered down. It's you know I may may not use um, difficult or large theological terms they can't understand. You know, there's still a way to um, make it understandable to kids, but you don't you don't water down the word and you just you, this is what it says and this is what we're to do to it is to bow to God's word and so um, it's changed in the fact that I understand so because I can understand I can bring the truth to them and that's that's the goal is you want to feed them the word of God mm -hmm. and I want to ask you about um, those changes in your life since you've been saved and, and <clears throat> ask you about your growth process but we'll take another break <laughs> So, Jeremy, since you've been saved, in what area of your life do you think you've grown immensely? Well, I would say I've grown <laughs> in many ways, um, but I would say definitely probably my uh, awareness of my own sinfulness mm. um, in many, many areas. I would have <clears throat> said before that I was a very um, uh, generous person and as far as uh, being very unselfish and uh, now I would say I, I realize just how selfish I can be um, and so just awareness of my sin sinfulness and um, really a, a desire um, one of the, the 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 changes I noticed right away was just a desire to be like Christ um, since I came to the Lord and so just growing in holiness and um, in those desires to want to please him in all things and 
even knowing his word and doctrine and um, those things have, have grown pretty immensely. Um, I wouldn't have been able to tell you what justification was or, or sanctification at all. Very, I would say, somewhat basic uh, terms um, and had no idea. I could not, could not explain them um, at all. And so um, growing in his word and understanding and um, holiness and my awareness of my own sinfulness, for sure. So just transitioning back to what you said earlier about being in children's ministry and having an affinity for being with children, that's also translated to your professional career as a registered nurse and you specialize in taking care of children. So I'm just curious about how your Christian, um, your now, your now Christian lifestyle has influenced how you take care of the children in the hospital and how you deal with families, especially those who have, um, you know, had their, you know, lost their children, unfortunately. Yeah, um, you definitely see <laughs> firsthand the consequences of living in a fallen world and really what sin has done to our world and bringing in death and disease. And um, and uh, you see a lot of, especially with kids in, in the area I work, a lot of social issues with uh, families. And, and so you just really see the effects of sin um, and just how it affects every area of our lives and just how, how deep and, and wicked it is. Um, and you know, bringing in um, my Christian my walk with the Lord. Um, There's a verse that says, you know, we mourn with those who mourn, mm-hmm. and so just being compassionate and showing the love of Christ, and um, uh, trying to be empathetic and understanding best you can, and still at the same time pointing people to Christ. Uh, it's a it's a very <laughs> it's a hard thing to balance, especially when someone sees their kid um, dying or mm-hmm. you know, in the process of of dying and not doing well. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's at times challenging, but a, a joy to be able to, to witness to people, um, not with just, with just our words, but with our, our actions and our lifestyle. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask, how does, that, how does you know, experiencing that kind of death in such young, young people affect you spiritually and, and mentally? But it looks like you're using those opportunities to try to at least point people to Christ. And then, like you said, you're really internalizing the fact that we do live in a fallen world and that it affects everybody you know babies right. even in the womb are not um, untainted from living in the fallen world that we have because they can still die in the womb unfortunately through miscarriage and then of course awfully through uh, abortion right um so but uh how long when it comes to your own family how long has it been because i know you guys you and your wife you guys were dating <laughs> for a short period of time and then uh, so, so some people would say that you rushed into marriage way too quickly and and didn't prepare well enough before time, but what, what, what would you say to people? And how, and how did you guys uh, experience, how was your experience going in your relationship? Yeah, so from first date to marriage was 10 weeks. And so uh, three weeks of dating, and then we decided we wanted to get married. And then seven weeks after that, we got married. So, um, I mean, that's a, I don't think it's a hard question. I mean, you're always preparing. I mean, even teenagers there, they may not, they may not be aware that they're preparing, but you're preparing. And so the Lord was preparing me well before that time that we even started dating. Mm-hmm. Um, and even now, you know, it's not as if you are perfected for marriage and then, <laughs> you know, it's perfect. I mean, mm-hmm. even as Paul says, I believe it's in first Corinthians seven, you know, if you marry, you will have trouble. You know, you have two sinners coming <laughs> together and, and, you know, the marriage has, has uh, revealed the sin in my own life that I didn't know was there. And I'm sure with my wife and you and your wife can, I'm sure, attest to the same mm-hmm. thing. And so um, the Lord was preparing me beforehand. And, uh, and just one thing that I would note is me and my wife were, all, were a lot older when we got married compared to, you know, we weren't just 18 and just met each other and ran out and got married. We were a lot older, stab- established careers and um, 
had finances together and were were very solid in our beliefs and in in the scriptures and so you know we weren't babies so to speak coming into marriage we were mature adults that that the lord had been preparing so yeah, and I think that's a good way to look at it because you weren't, like you said, you guys were pretty mature, already had established careers, already, you know, self, um, not self-fulfilling, but at least being able to take self-sufficient, taking care of yourself yeah. and not having to, to depend on others. And on top of that, you guys were both born again, both in the word and knowledgeable and growing in faith and, and wanting to become more like Christ. So right. I think those qualities, I don't think the Bible says that you need to be saved for a certain period of time before you get married. Because Paul just says, you know, if it's better to marry than to burn, just marry somebody in the Lord. Right. And I think that's really the only stipulation for all for all believers: marry somebody in the Lord, or at least chiefly. So, as part of that union, you know, shortly after your one year anniversary, <laughs> you already had a baby daughter, Julina, come into the world. So, how's it been being a being a father? Because you went from not saved to being born again to being married to being a father, all within the span of like three or four years. Yeah, yeah. The Lord, the Lord's definitely been good and gracious, and yeah, you know, like I, I had said before, since I was twelve, you know, I wanted to have a family. I wanted to get married, and it took a while, but you know, the Lord saved me, and then it just seemed to move very quickly, which is such a such a blessing. Um, but yeah, it's been amazing being a father. I mean, it took us, I don't know, I think four months until we were able to have a baby, which is a blessing, you know, I mean, not everybody enjoys that. And so it's, it's definitely been a blessing and it's even, even through that, having a child has shown me some of my sinfulness, (laughs) how impatient I can be and Mm -hmm. how quick to anger sometimes I am. And, you know, sometimes I'll get onto my daughter who's 11 months old, by the way. (laughs) And I'm thinking, well, why am I getting onto her so hard? She's 11 months. She doesn't even understand me. It's just my own sinfulness, being impatient, and and how patient is the Lord with me? I'm reminded of Paul when he talks about, you know, how patient the Lord was with him to show him, <laughs> give him as an example to others, and mm-hmm. like, man, how patient was the Lord with me? I need to be more patient with my daughter. So, I mean, it's been amazing on several fronts. Uh, like I told you, you know, being conformed to the image of Christ is is the goal and the desire and the Lord is using that that union between me and my wife wife and having a baby to do that so it's it's been so amazing it's I love it I think it was Martin Luther that said marriage is like the school of sanctification (laughs) and I think having children is going to graduate school through (laughs) sanctification because I mean I mean as cute and cuddly as they are it's still you realize that they still have a sin nature and you have a sin nature and they and it came and it came from you because you're their you're their you're their uh, their father so uh, how quickly did you realize that she had a sin nature and that you're dealing with another sinner even though she's cute and cuddly yeah what does Vodie Balcom say vipers and diapers <laughs> yeah God makes them so cute so you won't kill them and then so little so they won't kill you <laughs> yeah uh, man um yeah, pro- <laughs> jokingly, probably as soon as uh, she wouldn't let us sleep during the night. <laughs> it was so selfish, you know. We're trying to yeah. sleep. We got to work in the morning. <laughs> no, but uh, uh, probably really just recently, um, she started kind of. She can't talk fully, but she kind of babbles, and I'll kind of get onto her. No, don't do that. And you can tell by her attitude and the way she's talking. She's talking back. She don't do that. <laughs> you better stop talking back. <laughs> Or her mama, you know, her mama will correct her and, you know, smack her hand if she's touching something she's not supposed to. And she'll just look at me, turn her head, look at me and start smiling and laughing. <laughs> man, they are sinners. Oh, man. <laughs> so, no, it was, it was pretty early on. It didn't take long to, to realize that uh, she's, she's a sinner. <laughs> so so you, you mentioned a couple of times already how you wanted to have... Um, 
how you wanted to have children. And I think last time we talked, you said you wanted to have five children. So I want to ask you about, you know, is that still true? And, and you know, some people would say that's way too many kids. So mm-hmm. what would you say to them? But I'll ask you about that in just just a second. So, yeah, about having five children, is that still true? And if, if so, if that's, do you think that's too many kids? Or what would you say to people that, say, that would say that's way too many kids to have? Well, the Scripture tells us that children are an inheritance from the Lord, and we're to be fruitful and multiply. So, um, no, I mean, we live in an age where material things are, are what, what seems to be important to people. And mm-hmm. so it's, you know, children take away from, from having more, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is just sad. Um, and so, I mean, that's just a worldly way of thinking. Um, and so having five children would be a blessing now. Not, maybe they may not necessarily be all of our own, you know. As, as a believer, we've been adopted into the family of God. And so adoption is something me and my wife have talked about, which mm. would be just amazing just to display, again, the gospel to others and, and even to our own children that, you know, as we adopt, we have been adopted. And mm. so, yeah, five or, you know... I, tell my wife she has an aunt I think that's had 13 I think I can't remember I think her aunt her, it's aunt Nini and I'm probably probably the wrong aunt but she she had 13 kids and so I'm like wow. well we can't let aunt Nini beat us so you know, we got always tease her and tell her cheaper by the dozen I think it's a movie and so I had 12 kids and we can't let them beat us either so now as many as many kids as the Lord would give us would be a blessing I mean that's where we where we shepherd and where we evangelize first is in the home and so you know, we raise godly offspring to glorify the Lord, and so most as much we can do that, the, the, the best. <laughs> yeah, and that's good. I mean, yeah. propagate God's image of, across that's the right. world and teaching children, especially the next generation, what the truth is, especially with all the worldly ideologies in the public school. And like you said, children are now looked at as hindrances to self fulfillment and wanting to make them all the money I can get and be able to travel. And children are holding me back from fulfilling my actual dream. When children, like you said, are a blessing, they're inheritance from the Lord. The Bible even says, Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. So the more children you have, the Bible says, the more blessed you are, the more happy you are more and arrows I, you have the more the more arrows, arrows you have exactly exactly more to fight with than to shoot uh, so um so describe your um going back to your conversion describe your spiritual growth because I'm, I'm sure at some before you were saved you think you thought you were growing in christ you thought you were um becoming more like him during that time as well but now mm. that you've been truly saved what do you think was the differences between your pre-conversion and your post-conversion growth as a as a christian yeah, well, I would say pre-conversion, there really wasn't any true growth there. Um, I don't even think I really thought about those things. Yeah, you know, I wanted to, in some way, do what was pleasing to the Lord, but it was always on the outside, kind of the, <laughs> the hypocrisy of the of the Pharisees that Jesus, you know, even in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about uh, uh, the really the heart of the law is is what's going on in your heart and. Um, you know, whether it be adultery, it's really lust that starts on the inside, or mm-hmm. murder, whether it be anger, or you know, swearing falsely. <laughs> your word should be your word, um, and so um, there wasn't any really true work going on in my heart. Um, mm-hmm. As Romans eight tells us, you know, the flesh cannot please God; it's mm-hmm. unable to. And so, pre-conversion, there was no true spiritual growth. There it was all external, mm-hmm. and so post-conversion. Um, uh, the Holy Spirit just um, just works in your life. Um, Jesus talks in, in the apostles much about you know spiritual fruit and that being the work of the Holy Spirit. And so you start seeing changes in your life, and um, 
um, particularly in those areas. Um, and to quote <clears throat> our late pastor and friend, Pastor Doug, you know, it's not the 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 perfection of your life, but it's the bend of your life or the the direction of your life. And mm-hmm. you know, we're never going to be perfect, but we should always be growing more and more into Christ likeness. Mm-hmm. You know, as First John tells us, if we say we have no sin, <laughs> we're not saying the truth. We're we're liars. Mm-hmm. Um, but there should be still a level of holiness in our lives that's through sanctification through the Holy Spirit. So. Mm-hmm. I think that's the mark of a true believer, somebody who strives to be holy in all manner of contact, you right. know, in all manner of conduct, you know, mentally, emotionally, um, even physically, how you treat your body and what you do with your body on top of that. I think it all intertwines with how somebody desires to be truly holy. Um, so what is now that you're a Christian? Do you have a favorite Bible verse or a book of the Bible that you've been reading or studying? Or <laughs> how do you how do you go about doing that? Well, again, I'm going to quote Pastor Doug, whichever one I'm studying at the time, because it really is true. I mean, right now I'm trying to uh, memorize the Sermon on the Mound, so that's really been my favorite so far. I have chapter 5 almost down, so it's not really a book, but a section, you know, Mm -hmm. the Sermon on the Mound, chapter 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew, so that's probably my favorite right now, but I love Romans, John is great, 1 John, um, and Psalms are great. I mean, they're all great. So <laughs> it really yeah. just depends on which one. I mean, really, I'm studying at the time. I don't know if I could pick a favorite. Probably right now, the Sermon on the so Mount, though, because I'm studying it and trying to memorize it. So. Okay, great. great. Yeah, and I remember going through, <laughs> when we were doing our Bible study with those boys, going through the book of Romans, it was good. I enjoyed hearing you tease through Romans. I think it was probably one of the, you know, I just enjoyed getting together and listening to just seeing how much you've studied and the work you put in to, te- to teach. Yeah. I think that was, a, that was a major blessing. But um, going back to that, uh, Romans was all about the gospel. And that's right. what we were trying to press upon the young men and even ourselves as we were listening to one another teach. It's about the gospel. So I know the gospel today has been so perverted and contorted and mm-hmm. so um, even misused and misunderstood. But I think the gospel is simple. So could mm. you tell us exactly, Jeremy, you know, what is the gospel of Jesus Christ? I don't remember who it was. It may have been Todd Friel quoting somebody else. Um, but he says the gospel is so simple that uh, a child can understand it, but so deep in its understanding and meaning that a theologian can study it for their whole lifetime. And it really is. But very simply, I mean, the gospel is good news. And if there's good news, you know, there has to be bad news. And you, you, you pointed to Romans, and that's what Paul does in Romans. He starts with the bad news. And the bad news is we all uh, uh, stand before the judgment seat of God condemned. Yeah. Um, and because God is holy, because God is just and righteous, he cannot just look past that sin and just, <laughs> just look past it. Um, and so he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come and pay for our sins that we 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 deserve to pay for mm-hmm. um and so <clears throat> the gospel um as steve lawson would say is simply the lord jesus christ who he is what he's done he is fully god fully man he came in the flesh he lived the perfect life that me or you could never live <laughs> even in a day mm-hmm. um and he upon that cross took the wrath of god um, because that's really the heart of the gospel is god's wrath is abiding upon sinful men mm-hmm. and the good news is is we can be spared from that wrath and we can be spared only through the Lord Jesus Christ. He alone can justify the wrath of God because He is eternal, because He is perfect. Um, if we would call upon His name, we would be saved. We would repent and call upon His name. Even John the Baptist and Jesus, when Jesus began His ministry, He went around preaching repentance and believing in the gospel. And that's why He came. He came to save His people from their sins because 
our sins condemn us. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly true. And that's why And some people might wonder, you know, why then, you know, why is Jesus the only way to God? Why, why can't God provide other ways like in Islam or in Buddhism or in Hinduism or some other religion that, you know, millions of millions of people around the world are, are adhering to? Why does Jesus have to be the only way to for us to be saved and be and have access access to God? How would you answer that? Well, number one, it's because God has declared it so, hmm. right? Um, but really, the heart of the issue um, is how how do we how do, how how can God declare us justified? How can He just declare us justified? Um, there has to be a sacrifice, right? Someone has to pay for those sins. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're talking about um, eternal um, eternal things. Um, only Jesus, because He is eternal and because He is perfect, is the only one that can satisfy that. Um, why is there only one way? Because God has declared it so. He is the way, the truth, the life. No one can come through Him, come to the Father, but through the Lord Jesus. And so, uh, very simply put, I would say it's because God has declared it so. Hmm. And because He is um, righteous, because He is just, He cannot just look past sin. We have a <clears throat> in Christendom we like to um, <clears throat> try to separate attributes of God mm. and we can't do that you know he is loving but he's also wrathful you know, he's he's forgiving <laughs> but he's also just mm-hmm. and so how can he be forgiving and, and just you know and be unjust for him just to pardon our sins mm-hmm. you know without there being a payment for it and Christ is the only one that can satisfy his wrath because he is perfect mm-hmm. because he is holy because he's eternal and so it just comes down to the character of God, I think. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's something that gets involved, like you said, in Christendom. Like, it's almost bad to think of God being angry with mm-hmm. men and women. You know, it's bad to, be, to think that God actually sends people to hell. You know, R.C. Spro- Sproul makes, makes a point where God doesn't just send sin to hell. He sends sinners, people right. that lived and died, you know, on earth. That there's people in hell even as we speak, because they did not repent and put their trust in Christ. And they're suffering there because of their sin. They broke God's law. And like you said, God wouldn't be a just God if he just pardoned everybody and said, you know what, I love you, I forgive you. Because no, no, nobody on earth would even want that. If somebody right. killed your mother or your father or your, somebody close to you, and the judge just said, hey, you know, I'm just trying to be a loving judge, I'll let the guy go. Mm. No, nobody on earth would think that's a just judge. They would think that's a wicked judge. Right. And so... God is even that much more holy because he deals with our internal thoughts, yeah. our internal desires, and, and he sees through it all. So uh, exactly, I think that's exactly right. That's why Jesus is the only one. He's the only perfect sacrifice that, uh, that God accepts, and that's, the only, and that's the one that God declared. So finally, I want to ask you one last question that can get pretty controversial, but I really don't think it is. But um, regarding knowing God, how do you truly know God? Is it possible to know God without going to to his word you know can't we just know god through maybe through visions or or mm-hmm. through different experiences that we don't really have to re- depend on scripture for how do you how do you, how would you answer that question <laughs> well this is really the, the question i've been waiting for and i've been excited about but uh um very simply put i would say no um you can only know truly know the lord through the scriptures um we go to hebrews 1 1 and 2 um it talks about how long ago god spoke to the prophets and their fathers through many ways, through visions, through dreams. But in these last days, which he's talking about now, he has spoken to us through his son, Mm -hmm. the Lord Jesus Christ. And so um, from that verse, I would say that it's very clear that Lord, 
that that God the Father is speaking to us only through His Son, you know, um, and God has decided how and when He would speak to us. Mm. It didn't say He was speaking all the time. It said at certain times, mm. at some times He would speak to us, depending on your translation. He would speak to us in certain ways, mm. and so God has decided how He will speak and when He will speak. You know, there is a, a period um, between Malachi and <clears throat> when John the Baptist came, when God didn't speak for about four hundred years. Mm. <laughs> God decided not to speak, and God is deciding not to speak in those ways. I would say now He is deciding to speak through His Son, through His Word, um, which I think the Scripture makes very clear. There's a, a verse. I think it's um, Matthew twenty-two thirty-one. I think you actually pointed it out to me before when Jesus is uh, addressing the Sadducees that are coming up to Him, questioning Him, and they have a question about uh, um, those who are. Um, uh, brother has a wife and he doesn't have any offspring and seven brothers have her who will have her in heaven he corrects that misunderstanding and then he says <laughs> you know when it comes to resurrection of the dead have you not heard when god said to you hmm. and he quotes the old testament i am the god of abraham i'm the god of isaac and i'm the god of jacob and so jesus made it clear i think to us and to them that god is speaking he's speaking through his word he wasn't saying literally God is, you know, there's a voice from heaven right now speaking to you. And he's saying, no, look at the word of God. God is speaking to you and telling you <laughs> there's a resurrection. You know, I'm the God of the living, not of the dead. Hmm. And so I think it's very clear and um, a very misunderstood thing. Um, you know, God speaking to you. That that was definitely something that I grew up with, and I'm sure you did too. You know, God speaking to you, whether it's through visions or um, you know, audible or some internal impression. I think that the Lord speaks to you through His Word. I think He's made that very, very clear. I find it very interesting that there many people that say God speaks to them. They contradict each other. It's like, <laughs> well, who is God speaking to? And if it's not infallible, why would you want to follow it? Um, <clears throat> one of those things that uh, uh, kind of got me settled actually was um, I was in a relationship before I met my wife and before I came to the church we we, we are at now and uh, the Lord was still working on a lot of things with me and uh, there's a verse in John that talks about a chapter in John that talks about you know my sheep hear my voice mm -hmm. and so you know I was still kind of somewhat of the understanding of well I'm supposed to hear these impressions and the person that I was seeing at that time was very pushing on those things and you know we need to you know hear the Lord if we're supposed to get married or not and I was just reading through the scriptures and I can't I can't find where it's saying that we're supposed to do this like it's not in there and there's verses that contradict it I think you pointed to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7 where Paul's addressing specifically widows there and he says they can marry whom they want whomever they want as long as it's in the Lord that's the one qualification it's not you can marry whomever you want but the Lord, you know, has to speak and tell you a certain person. It's, <laughs> it's not there. It's not found. You can't find it anywhere in Scripture. Even the Old Testament, you know, the children of Israel were told to marry someone who was of the same religion, the same belief, who followed the same God. And that's what we are commanded to do. I believe in the, in the, the New Testament, that doesn't even make sense that God would tell widows they can marry whoever they want. But, you know, if you've never been married before, you better hear my voice. I mean, kind of... Uh, becomes very confusing. I mean, if that is so, what if I do marry somebody that the Lord hasn't spoken to me? Am I supposed to divorce them? Well, no, that would be sin. But am I supposed to stay in that <laughs> sinful relationship? It doesn't, that doesn't even make any sense, and we, we can't frustrate God's plans. And so um, that's kind of what led to a lot of that. Um, and I, I think it's very clear in the Scriptures that the Scriptures is how God speaks to you. Mm -hmm. So That's exactly right. And I think 
And I think Justin Peters makes the point where, if, you know, he, he talks about how people want, are wanting to hear God's voice and wanting to have that audible impression or even an internal impression when he says, and he picks up the Bible, he says, are you telling me you've mastered all 66 books mm-hmm. backwards and forwards in and out? You know, every single thing about the Bible you need to know before you want to hear God audibly speaking to you. And he's, and he's like, obviously, no, because God's word is eternal. I mean, there's no way anybody can mm-hmm. uh, ever satisfy or get to the depths of the word of God. And I think even John MacArthur, who's preached through every single verse in the New Testament and has been preaching for the last 50, 60 years, he says he's only skimmed the surface <laughs> of the word of God. Yeah. And I don't think anybody's preached in depth as much as he has, as far as I'm concerned. So um, the word of God is, is awesome. It's it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And like you said, it's through Christ that we hear God. And Christ even told us in his gospel that, you know, if you... To, to his apostles, if people reject your word, they're rejecting my word. Mm-hmm. And if they're rejecting my word, they're rejecting God's word. Right. So there's no, you can't break that chain up at, at all. Once you do, you're cutting yourself off from God. Because God himself linked himself with Christ. Christ himself linked himself with his apostles. So you reject the apostles, you reject their word, you're rejecting God himself. So there's no dichotomy there. But um, thank you for uh, your answers. I thank you for coming on the show and I appreciate your time, Jeremy. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem.